Morning, friends. One thing we do want to do is just to say thank you. There's a whole group of people that served yesterday. And uh, Brad was part of that group, so I think it's only apt that I say thank you. Otherwise, he'll be saying thank you to himself. But anyway, there's a whole group of folk that got involved in some work at the church yesterday. Upstairs in the uh, impact room, there was painting and cleaning and all sorts happening. So thanks to all of you who served. And there was another older man who helped outside lay some cables. He'd say thank you to him, whoever he is. That's a person digging the trench. And the sandwich maker. <laughs> sandwich maker. So it was a whole family just involved yesterday in working here. We really are grateful for what you did for Jesus to make our spaces more accessible and comfortable for those that we get to minister to. How are we doing this morning? Good. Grateful for the rain? Thankful for the Word, His Word, and grateful that we get to do life in the power of the Holy Spirit, don't we? So there were a couple of muted yeses, but anyway, I'll go with that. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Some exciting news before I do minister this morning is that on Thursday, Shelley and I are, are launching, planting, starting a life group. So if you're not part of a life group, currently plugged into one, please come have a chat to us afterwards. We would love to have you part of our life group, especially if you live this side of the city, okay? But that doesn't preclude you from joining our life group. We wanted to plant a life group that can impact and reach this part of the city where we meet, but come have a chat to me afterwards. We'd love to open up our hearts and our home to you. So our life group launches this Thursday. Come and chat to us afterwards. We'll give you all the details. So today we land, sadly, the Define series. But the exciting news is we'll be starting another series soon. And over the last day, rise the life of a Christian, of a Christ follower. Things like worship, remember? Prayer, remember? Generosity, last week, hearing God's voice. Today I'm landing the series with this topic of love in action. That's the title of my message this morning, love in action. So remember in Exodus chapter 33, verse 16, where we've referenced it every week, when Moses uh, is, says to God, said, Lord, don't send me or don't let us go from this place unless your presence goes with us. Remember, that's been the anchor text for our series. And um, he asks for this favor because he understands that God's presence with them, with him, with them, is what's going to define them from all the other peoples on the earth that they live amongst. That's the context that he asks that question. It's important this morning as we land this series to understand. If you haven't heard it, for the last five weeks, we're hearing it again this morning. It's important to understand that we are different as Christians from the world that we live in, those who don't know Him. Okay? Distinctively different. Not just a little bit different. Distinctively different in, in our beliefs and our value systems. Very different. We live in this world, but we are not of it. So out of this series, that's what we want to take with us, is that we live in this world, but we are not of it. And if we're of this world, but we're not like the world, it means we are to impact and influence this world that we live in, isn't it? And so hence, love in action is the, the topic this morning. And so God responds to Moses in, in the affirmative. He says, Moses, I'll give you, yes, I'll go with you. And I'm paraphrasing. And then it's interesting, Moses asks this question of God. Show me your glorious presence. 
verse 18 of Exodus 33. Show me your glorious presence. Like I, I don't just want to ask for it. I want to experience it. I want to carry it with me when I go into this world that we live amongst. And then we read in Exodus 34, verses 5 to 7, how God presents himself in the midst of that question. Verses 5 of Exodus 34. Then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him. Imagine being Moses in that moment. Like God responding to this cry of a man's heart. I want more of you. I want to know you. I want your presence. God, then the Lord came down in the cloud, stood there with him. And he called out his own name. Interesting. The Lord spoke his name, Yahweh. The Lord passed in front of Moses calling out, Yahweh, the Lord. And then these most amazing words, incredible words, words that Moses actually saw demonstrated with the very people that God wanted to wipe off the face of the earth, but relented, the God of compassion and mercy. God speaks these words. I am the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger. Filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish. I don't just give it. I lavish. I lavish. We need to hear that this morning. When we think of our city and all of the brokenness and the stuff that's happening, God wants to lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. He wants to lavish forgiveness. He wants to lavish, and not just little bit, lavish over our nation that is in such turmoil and all of the corruption we see, God is saying, I'm wanting to lavish and forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. Verse 9, Moses goes on. He says, O Lord, O Lord, if it is true that I found favor with you, then please travel with us. Verse 10, the Lord replied, Listen, I am making a covenant with you in the presence of all your people. So it's not just with Moses, with the nation. I will perform miracles that have never been performed anywhere in all the earth or in any nation. Now we think that Pharaoh, uh, who he destroyed you know, when they fled Egypt, we think that was a miracle. God said, I'm going to do even greater miracles than that. There was a reference, reference of God's provision and power up until this moment. Those things, he said, are going to fade into comparison to what I am going to do with you and through you. Incredible. I will perform miracles that have never been performed anywhere in all the earth or any nation. And all the people around you will see the power of the Lord. Hence, take my presence with you so my people that you live amongst will see my power. The awesome power I will display for you. So when we read that portion of Scripture, it can be paraphrased or interpreted this way. God saying, my love, compassion with you, will demonstrate to your world that you live in how sovereign and awesome I am to those you live amongst. All wrapped up in that little statement. Through my people, through you and my people, my power will be itself this morning, and we'll get to that in a moment. Why on earth am I here? To answer that question. See, God's plan since the beginning of creation is to display the splendor of His glory 
to all nations, not just to a nation, all nations. This is a revelation of God's presence that Moses wants to take with him wherever he goes, that God is compassionate, God is gracious, God is abounding in love and faithfulness. And that message, as it's lived out with conviction, people will see that there is a God in heaven who wants to pour out His His forgiveness to a rebellious people. He wants relationship with all people. He desires to restore and rebuild broken lives. That's his desire. That's why he relented, isn't it? When Moses said, please don't destroy them for their rebellion, God relented. And so now these people are asking for his presence. God is saying, that which you have received, go and make known. When you take my presence with me, go and demonstrate my love, my faithfulness, my abounding love, this lavish generosity. I could have destroyed you like that, but I didn't. I spared you because I'm a God of love. Go and demonstrate that to this world. Go and be love in action wherever you live, wherever you work, wherever you play. We get friends to carry that same privilege today to glorify Jesus Christ. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, speaking these words. I'm reading out of the American Standard Version. He says, let your light shine. Let your light shine. In the midst of what our nation and our city is facing, <laughs> darkness, literal. <laughs> Thanks to Eskim. But let your light shine. All of this corruption that we see around us is darkness. Selfish acts of man. Let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. You know that word glorify comes from the Greek word doxa. And it's used in the context of this verse. It means that the innate glory, the characteristics of Jesus is brought to light, made manifest. How does Jesus reveal himself to the world? He can do it anyway. But it's amazing that he chooses us to reveal his goodness, his glory to the world. A redeemed people, reconciled with God the Father, a restored people, made whole, free from shame and guilt. And when we walk in this world and we represent him in fullness and in truth, that's what we represent to the world. Or do we? Question mark. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16 again, the message translation. I just, I love this translation. He says, now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. You know, in this age where we lock our gates and lock our doors and we put up barbed wire and uh, we have 50 Rottweilers prowling the yard, everyone keep out. He says, actually, open up. Keep open house. Be generous. You know, and this, when times are tight and financial <laughs> constraints come, well, you know, we just hoard, we just look after self. He says, be generous. With your lives, by the way, not just your money. With your lives. By opening up to others. By opening up to others. By open house. By being generous. By opening up to others. You'll prompt people to open up with God. Beautiful, eh? this generous Father in heaven. So I'll pose the question this morning. What is my why? What is my why? 
Why do I live at this time in history? Why has God saved me? Why do I live in this city? What is my why? I, I read just a story about Viktor Frankl. Anybody know him? He's an Austrian. Uh, some of you would have studied, studied psychology and that would have reference to him because his works are well known. But here's a late Austrian um, neurologist and psychiatrist. And uh, he ended up in the camps, in the Nazi concentration camps, along with his family. He lost mother, father, wife, brother. Died in the Nazi concentration camps. Whole family wiped out. I think a sister survived out of his whole family. So he was this Holocaust survivor. And much of his writings are based on those experiences and what he learned about man, about himself. And he, he experienced incredible loss and suffering, endured it. And just those experiences shape much of his philosophy and his perspective of the meaning of life. One of his quotes that I read resonated with me, and this is what he said. He said, those who have a why to live, those who have a why to live can bear with almost any how. Hmm? Those who have a why to live can bear with almost any how. His theory, while observing extreme brutality, degradation in the camps, was if inmates had a meaning to life, some purpose, they were likely to survive. That's what he came out of the camps with. And I'm wanting to apply something of that revelation this morning to our lives. So I'm borrowing his revelation, and I'm applying it in a spiritual context for us as Christians, as children of God this morning. When we have a why to live, we will bear with almost any how. I propose that for us as Christians, the purpose of our lives primarily is to glorify God. You would agree with me? And that's unchanging. That's for every single person who professes to be a Christ follower. The purpose of their lives is not to glorify self. It's to glorify the one who called us out of darkness into his glorious light. So surely if he's done the work, he's the one we are to glorify. Amen? At least we all agree with that. <laughs> and we do that in the most amazing practical ways. Being doxa. Not Doxodeo, by the way, who meet down the road there. Been those who glorify Jesus Christ, bring to light the power of what he's done within. So in other words, demonstrating and representing his compassion, his love, his faithfulness, the very characteristics of who Jesus is, his presence with us. So if we have his presence with us, like Moses called out for, then surely our lives should demonstrate Compassion, love, faithfulness. Amen? In his letter to the church in Philippi, Paul seems to convey the thought that if we carry the presence of God, the love of God, it will be demonstrated. It will be demonstrated in the way we serve others. So he links presence with love in action. Not just presence for me. Presence with me, through me, to others. 
Love in action. This is what he writes. And I think it's a word for the church in this season. Not just us, the church. Philippians chapter 2 verse 1. He says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Question mark. Any comfort from his love? Question mark. Any fellowship together in the spirit? Question mark. Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Question mark. And I was reading that passage of scripture out of uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 30. Let your light shine. Jesus speaks about a light doesn't get put under a bowl and it's hidden. It shines. Now the reality in those days, they didn't have, well, they didn't have Eskim, so they didn't have load shedding like we did. They were in control of their load shedding because they lit a lamp or lit a candle. Amen. <laughs> And so that's the context he speaks. He says, when you light a candle and you put it on a table and you put a bowl over that, it's going to go out because it's starved of oxygen. And many Christians, I believe, are living their lives like that. They're living their lives where they're living a life under a bowl. Where's the light? Anything, any fire needs oxygen, doesn't it? To thrive. The presence of God is our oxygen. Enables us to shine in this world that we live amongst. And so Paul writes, any comfort from his love. And then he says, then. Any comfort from his love, love of Christ, then. He makes the assumption, just with that one statement, then. If we have received the love, the grace, and the compassion of Christ, we have a responsibility to be outward looking. Comfort, you see, is translated. It comes from the Greek word paraklesis, which means to strengthen. Then not only have we known the strengthening love of Jesus Christ ourselves, but we get to demonstrate that strengthening love to others, don't we? If I read that, any comfort from his love, what we've received, we give. There's an outflow. Also comes from the Latin word fortress, which means, we get our word, fortify. Strengthen and fortify others. We've already been strengthened and fortified, surely. <laughs> so I'm assuming that he's speaking, oopsie, I'm getting excited. <laughs> I'm assuming that he's speaking to us for others. <laughs> you know, both these words, paraclesis, fortress, they imply this is more than just saying, oh, shame, and walking away. It means do something about it. And sometimes we get so good at, oh, shame, you know, I'll pray for you. I'm not saying that's unhelpful. It's good that we do. But often the very stepping into a moment, an opportunity, we have his presence with us to help someone. In that moment, practical love, love and action can unlock a heart and make them attuned to Jesus. It's love, the comfort that Paul alludes to is love expressed through action, whereby we strengthen and build others up. And now he gets very personal. <laughs> Like you read it, it's like the searchlight of Scripture shining into my own heart here. If any comfort from His love, then, okay, then, verse 3 to 5 of Philippians chapter 2, don't be selfish. <laughs> now the seats are getting warm. Don't be selfish. 
Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out. See, it's getting even hotter. Don't only look out for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. And then it's like this crescendo of this truth. You must have the same attitude as Christ Jesus. Surely, like Moses, if we carry his presence, we'll have his attitude. Not so. Some translations translate it as the mind of Christ. Must have the mind of Christ. So what Paul does in these short verses, he warns us about becoming too self-absorbed. The world needs self-absorbed Christians. Needs Christians who will comfort others. Can I say, just to balance this truth, it is good to look after yourself, but not the expense of others. That's what Paul seems to be saying. Good to look after yourself, to take care of yourself, take care of your needs. But how can we take care of our needs and walk past somebody who has a need and just turn our backs on them? That to me is not carrying the mind of Christ. And the, the scriptures, especially in the New Testament, full of examples of Jesus. Sees a need. Jesus had needs. Come on, he's human. But how often did he stop and take care of somebody who had a need? Have the same mind, the same attitude as Jesus Christ. So Paul shows us through, through the example of Jesus how we are to carry his presence. Have the same mind. My belief, okay, this is my belief. That being a Christian is more of a privilege than a responsibility. You know that if we've received salvation, redemption, reconciliation through the work of the cross, we carry a privilege more than we carry a responsibility. When we embrace the privilege and we see this life as a privilege, we will do more with it. But if we see it as a responsibility, then we'll just tick the boxes, we'll jump over hoops and over bars. Serving Christ is a privilege, not a duty. We need to see it like that because it changes the way that we reach out. It changes the way that we impact our world. It changes how we engage with people. It changes how we steward our finances, how we give what we've got. <laughs> if it's a responsibility, we'll always give the very least just so I can tick the box. Is that not true? But if it's a privilege, the Lord comes from you, you have lavished, I'll give. That one's for free. Having the same attitude as Jesus Christ. Maybe I can ask the music team to come up, please. Someone wrote this referring to the cross. Really so profound. They called it the bottom rung on the ladder from the throne room of God. And it's underpinned by this scripture, Philippians 2, verses 6 to 8. Though he was God, Jesus, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. Gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. 
When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God, and he died a criminal's death upon a cross. Paul gives us this picture of Jesus. He says the same mind of Christ. As he lived and as he journeyed, we are to journey through life. So when we ask, what is my why? Here's a picture. Jesus gave up his heavenly privilege to embrace his earthly mission. Privilege to rescue mankind. From heaven to earth, from glory to shame, from master to servant, and ultimately from life to death. Have the mind of Christ. Been living self-absorbed life? Only you can answer that. Living a self-absorbed life. Trusted under the light of God's truth. By the conviction of His Holy Spirit, His presence with us. That this morning we will step out of a self-absorbed existence. Step onto the bottom rung of the ladder. Step onto there needs to be a step out of. Please stand with me. Just a reminder, serving Christ, Jesus, is a privilege, not a duty. And Jesus models this for us. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Not a season to cling to your self-absorbed life. Instead, he gave up his privileges. The greatest privilege we carry, the greatest privilege we carry is to glorify Jesus Christ and to make him known to this world. He took the humble position of a slave, born as a human being. Humility, understanding who we are, what He has done for us, fuels humility. Cannot glory in self, cannot take any pride in what we have, what we've done. We've done nothing, He's done it all. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God on the cross. Lord Jesus, this morning, we've just had this truth shared. Your word to us. I pray, Jesus, that this word would be a light, searchlight, floodlight, flooding into the recesses of our hearts and our lives, revealing to us what needs to change. If there's any element, any aspect of a self-absorbed life, bring that to light so that we might humbly deal with it and be free of its hindrances in our lives. We bless you, we praise you, we thank you, who you are to us, what you've done for us, what you've given to us, privilege, privilege to be called children of God, privileged to carry your presence with us, and privileged to reveal this to this world that we live amongst. Be glorified in each and every life 
Be glorified, Jesus, in each and every life as we walk in the wonder and the majesty of your presence. Amen.